This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I'm Tia, your host for this special edition mini-sode. We asked our amazing listeners to make donations in support of the protests calling for racial justice, and a huge thanks to Simon Dominey Lytle for commissioning this mini-sode. I'm joined by Nick White today to talk about religion in comics. How are you doing, Nick? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um... Yeah, I think uh, I, I think they they put me on this episode because I ended up um, somewhat um, not with the full intent of originally getting one, but uh, getting a getting a religion degree uh, during college. So I suppose that makes me ever so slightly qualified to maybe talk on these things. Although we'll see, right? <laughs> I had no idea that you had a religion degree. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was originally an English major. And go having uh, attended a liberal arts school, um, you have to take a little bit of everything. There's no way they're not going to let you out, <laughs> whether you want to take everything or not. And I took a couple religion courses, found it really interesting, just ended up taking a couple more. And next thing I know, I'm a double major. So, yeah. And what was your like area of focus in religion? Sure. So a lot of what I was doing for my first couple of years was really unsurprisingly, you know, given my background, you know, given where I lived, uh, very, you know, Christianity theologically oriented. Um, and then sort of as I kind of combined my two majors for for my last two years, I was really doing a lot of the interactions between um, literature and religion and then also um, on a broader scale, uh, pop culture and religion, and how the two sort of simultaneously borrow from each other and yet demonize. <clears throat> excuse me. Try that again. Uh, sort of how religion and pop culture simultaneously demonize one another and yet also borrow the best bits from one another uh, to further their own um, ideology. So, yeah. Okay, well, that definitely explains why you got tagged into this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose so, yeah. I assume I was tagged in because I have read every issue of The Wicked and the Divine like 10 times. And that's pretty much the secondary, like, qualifying, you know, (laughs) criteria. You know, uh, first it's formalized degree, and then it's, you know, how many issues have you, you know, you must have read this many issues of The Wicked and Divine to... uh, to speak on this topic. So, yeah. Um, I remember when I I was reading it the first time as it came out and it was still Gods as Pop Stars. You know, that was the kind of like a uh, very brief high level description of it. And people were like trying to figure out what do the gods sound like? You know, what like what does their music sound like? And eventually, as we started to see more of the gods performances in the comic, it was like they're not singing. It's not like a concert. It's like these different religious gatherings, these different religious experiences. And some of them are more interactive with the audience and others are more like solitary or singular. And so um, I think that the medium of comic books is a graphic medium since you couldn't really convey like an auditory experience in a in a one-to-one way in any case. I right. Thought that I mean, was- comics have tried and failed for yeah. years. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so I thought that it was really interesting to see kind of graphically how these religious experiences were conveyed in the, in the different, I guess, religious genres that each of the gods represented. I don't know if you, have you read the Wicked and the Divine yet? I, I actually haven't. And I think you know, I, I've debated reading it a couple times, but a couple times, like the series wasn't completely done yet. And I was like, well, I'm just going to wait until it's all done. And, you know, I think that resulted in more than a couple moments while it was ongoing where people would be like, oh, can you believe blah, blah, blah happened? And I would just cover my ears and I'd be like, don't say anything. I know this book is twists and turns and revelations, so don't reveal anything because... I don't want to have it spoiled. So um, I have remained willfully and totally, utterly ignorant of virtually everything that book has to offer aside from like the core conceit. Like that is that is it. I know some characters shockingly died at moments and I do not even know who they are or what happened. And that is that is where it stands. (laughs) So what are some comics that have religion as a major theme that are some of your favorites right so you already brought up one of them and and that's hellboy it's definitely hellboy and um i'm not saying that like i need to spend 98 percent of my time on wikipedia but like anything that has me going to wikipedia on some level like if there's a deep dive involved while i'm reading like i always find that sort of interesting And with Hellboy, there's always this constant discussion of, you know, um, religious figures, religious legends, um, you know, non-canonical religious texts. And, And so much of the time with Hellboy, I'm just having to go on Google with the just big question of, is this a real thing, right? Like, are we talking about something real or was this made up for the book? And what's so rewarding about Hellboy is that a lot of the time it's referencing real things. Um, How do you feel about the way Hellboy kind of conflates those religious things with other supernatural folklore, like fairies or uh, I don't know, there's like some Japanese folklore stories that I really love. Uh, There's a lot of like British Isles folklore and ghost stories. Oh, sure. All kinds of Arthurian legends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how Um, do you feel about that? (laughs) Right. Right. Like um, certainly it's not something where I think someone, I mean, maybe this is fun for someone else, but like, if you want to like try to parse this down, right. And make this all, line up or sort out on a on like a theological level or or be like well what's what sort of canon is is mike mignola trying to to make here i think things obviously start to like especially because there's a lot there that's um um relating to to christianity and so if you if you take that and then you try to put that alongside some of the other things there, it can kind of be like, well, you know, this maybe shouldn't really, you know, gel with, you know, X really shouldn't gel with Y, but, um, you know, if that's your level of like having fun when you're reading, then I guess have at it. For me, I try to not, you know, make it all work. Right. Like, I think that that's, um, I think that's part of the fun of the book is that 
um, Mike Mignola isn't utterly concerned with, uh, I guess you would say, following the um, uh, hard constraints of of what should and shouldn't and has and hasn't been, you know, dictated as as accepted by, you know, conventional theology? Well, so many stories from Christianity are sort of mapped onto pagan stories, pagan oh, religious beliefs. So I guess in a way, it makes sense that, you know, if you look at archetypes of stories, yeah. uh, r- regardless of the iconography in them, like the archetypes are pretty similar. And especially the ones with a lot of crossover, I imagine function as a sort of shorthand, like a lot of people will be familiar with them. And so as a creator, you don't have to do a lot of explaining maybe if you're using these really wide, widely known familiar myths and stories and religious parables and things. And, and you can kind of push them a little bit further in your own uh, mythology because you're already starting from a point where a lot of your audience is going to have some point of entry into them from somewhere so right yeah absolutely like what mike mignola is doing in terms of the creative liberties he's taking is 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 nothing new right this isn't something that's like um like super edgy or or you know whatnot this is what what he's doing by sort of associating these things with one another is not you know it's not new creative individuals have been doing this forever now so and it um, seems like a major theme of hellboy is just the concept of like um nature versus nurture and goodness right um like i think that religion in general is very preoccupied with those questions so it just seems like a really fruitful framework to to put hellboy uh who you know I'm not going to sit here and make comparisons to Hellboy and any re- other religious figures because I don't want to offend anybody. But I think it's an interesting um, sort of way to come at the idea of a reluctant hero uh, when you have the background of Christianity or any of these uh, other myths and legends and um, and you have this like really likable character who in many ways is very human and we can all really relate to that struggle um, but then it also plays out in the very like grand and crashing way that religion can sometimes have like the baroque sense of good and evil yeah absolutely I, I, I would completely agree with all of that um yeah, Hell- Hellboy for me is definitely probably one of the the main ones that I look at, and and there's a lot to sort of parse there. And um, as I said, like any book that immediately has me like going on Wikipedia to research more, um, like I always sort of those are kind of the titles that I I kind of pay attention to and go, oh, you know, this is something that's driving me outside of the text itself to to learn more or, or investigate more. So the Thor um, comics are fun in that way too. 
Thor, I haven't read much of, but I really, I find Thor interesting and, and certainly so have a lot of other, like, um, I guess I shouldn't say so have. I'm not, I, I don't consider myself a religious scholar, but other religious scholars have certainly found Thor interesting because there you kind of have this moment of if someone who's a, you know, a deity, you know, injected themselves into our everyday lives, how would that impact? Um, what, what are the implications of, of modern religion were that to happen? Right. And I haven't read enough Thor to really know how they handle this. I think they obviously have found ways to kind of dance around the idea of, um, Hey, if this, you know, um, you know, religious figure, which was largely being worshipped X amount of years ago, suddenly <laughs> became real. What are the implications of that for, you know, modern religion and how that would, would shape things, right? It's It almost becomes kind of a thought exercise that I think the comics are understandably not interested in having, right? Like, uh, I don't know. I think... I think that especially the like 60s Thor comics where the the genre bending is really um happening like their like mythology and fantasy in a way but they're also sci-fi and like outer spacey. I just like I think that that speaks to a, a really neat moment in the 60s where sci-fi and religion were getting really uh entwined. Or we're oh, sure. like continuing to be entwined. Like I'm thinking about, of course, like um, the following in the tradition of like earlier writers like L. Ron Hubbard and stuff like that. So um, just a moment of in time of like religion and sci-fi being twisted around each other. I think you can see in the Thor comics in a really interesting way that that I don't see in, for example, um, Wonder Woman, but I do see in like New Gods. So I don't know. Is that I, I mean, I guess maybe that's a Jack Kirby thing. I, <laughs> I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Like, I think that is it, it's exactly I, I would say that's certainly like that's a Jack Kirby thing. That's something he's interested in discussing and, and exploring and, and maybe not as much his, all of his contemporaries, but, um, that yeah. seems like a good segue to what you were saying when we were talking before the show about sort of like comics as religion. I feel like a lot of people deify Jack Kirby. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I, I think that that's, uh, that would, yeah, if, if if there was sort of a deification process or sanctification process, I, I, I think Kirby would, would probably have to be at the top. Um, uh, and more so than a figure like Stan Lee. And I think the reason for that is because I think people see Stan Lee as someone who got a lot of credit for the contributions that he made. Whereas I think people like to think of Jack Kirby as this like unsung hero, which is a bit silly because obviously he is a sung hero, uh, if that right. is the term, but um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're completely right. Yeah. It's and, like and, there's and, this sense of sacrifice this, of Jack Kirby sacrifice that people I think love to add to his mythos. Yeah. And, and, and if you look at, Kirby's arc, so to speak. I, I I think you're dealing with someone who, 
you know, found himself being continually, you know, persecuted and, and, and screwed over by all of these different companies. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, I, I don't think one can say that Kirby was someone who, you know, had to lead the life of, you know, an aesthetic, right. You know, and, uh, was poor and, 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 and whatnot. But, um, you certainly, I think have someone who kind of, was taken advantage of by the system. And so I think it's easier to relate with someone like Kirby than it is to relate with someone like Stan Lee. And I don't, I don't want to get on the whole, you know, anti Stan Lee uh, bandwagon, but it's not news to anyone to hear that. Of course, Stan Lee probably gained the most while potentially maybe not doing as much as, as everybody else. And so I think he's a hard figure for people to connect with, um, on that level. So yeah, no, I, I think you can, if you look at comics as, as sort of its own religion and you look at, um, rituals such as attending conventions or, um, Going to your comic book store. Absolutely. You know, these are institutionalized, quote unquote, ceremonies um, that have specified dates and times and 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 uh, and And sort of fetishization of sure. Of the comics themselves as totems or, you know, like you bag them, you board them, maybe you put them in five inches of mylar and they go behind (laughs) a glass case and they hang in your special, you know, in your special room. And yes, I understand some people are probably going to be a little uncomfortable likening um, religion um, or likening being a fan of comics and, and, and everything that comes with that to religion but um i think if you look at sort of modern day pop culture fandom and the things that propel it it's really not that different again i know some people are going to not appreciate that uh similarity being drawn but especially these days i think it's harder and harder to ignore it Um, well i mean at the end of the day they're all stories and the level of belief that you put into the stories like it could there's a spectrum right where some people fall more on the literal side of it and some people are a little more on the abstract side of it but i think that it's still stories that more or less trade in the idea of good and evil and right and wrong how to coexist with each other how to uh, handle adversity etc so um you know like human stories i think all have those same themes and certainly religion um is created through stories as well i mean one of the things i always think of that kind of i think is a perfect reflection of this level of fandom and obsession and sort of how people are using it to sort of guide and orient their own lives is is the fact that I think a couple of years ago, um, the UK released, um, you know, the percentages of what religions people had identified with. And I think like 2% of individuals had put Jedi Knight, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that that sort of kind of sums up the power that these different... 
um, fandoms, especially now in this day and age of, of internet where the ability to sort of interact with and relate with people with similar um, interests and beliefs is on such a, you know, grand scale. Um, just the power that these fandoms can have and, and comics are, you know, no different. And especially now that they're on the big screen so much, I think that it's only, you know, becoming a bigger and bigger thing. So that's a whole other like, you know, sort of not religious practice, but it kind of uh, parallels religious practice that, we, you know, uh, like the going to conventions, like Wednesday to new comic book day rituals, like the ritual of going to these big superhero movies and having a, a shared experience with the audience, you know, the other members of the audience. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Which and, this and all I goes, think, go, go ahead. Oh, this is like a really kind of symmetrical place to end up in this conversation because that's kind of what the wicked and the divine is all about really is like art as religion um, and the shared experience of that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, um, I've, I've only seen occasional <laughs> pictures of the wicked and divine, but um, yeah, I, I, I think I can relate to that for sure. Um, uh, another sort of interesting thing for me, kind of maybe worth discussing a little bit is sort of, um, kind of thinking about, um, you know, obviously art is such a, and this is obviously a huge, massive rabbit hole to fall down for a small show, but I think it's at least worth mentioning that the connection between just the visual element of art and the visual element of comics is something that, um, sorry, the visual element of comics and the visual elements in religion um, have sort of interesting parallels that have gone back, you know, how many years now, right? Oh, because... if you look at the Parthenon marbles or, you know, maybe even the cave paintings in like Lascaux, which right. we don't really know what they were, but a lot of people theorized they were religious in some way. Um, medieval art especially is almost like one-to-one. If you have comics, visual literacy, you can bring that to read um, religious art from the medieval period where it literally is like a comic book and you see the same figures appear multiple times in the panel. And if you look closely, you understand that it's like, because it's, it's showing you the passage of time, which is what comics do. So uh, there, there definitely is a connection there. Right. And we're talking about sort of a, a, a conveying of, of narratives and stories and mythology um, for starters, at, at points that predate written language, uh, you know, beyond mm-hmm. anything else. And then I think people sort of forget that um, sort of artistic depictions of, of narratives, be they religious or not, uh, were so important at times where um, the vast majority of the population, uh, either there wasn't a written language or the vast majority of the population were illiterate. And so... Um, things like stained glass, you know, windows were so important because now you had this ability to convey a narrative, again, be it religious or not, but we are talking about religion, um, the ability to convey a, a narrative without text um, because either people couldn't read or they couldn't afford a Bible because it had to be written by hand. So 
Um, And, you know, there are comics today that are, I guess, um, that tell religious stories, not in a, not in, in an oblique way or in a kind of like abstract way, like a lot of the books we've been talking about. But like, for example, Graphic India is yep. a, a pretty interesting, um, they do a animated series and comics as well. And, and some of them are like, use like really literal uh, religious characters um so you know the the connection is still very close even in like what i would say are quote unquote mainstream comics yeah i think you were sort of referencing uh grant morrison's 18 days um well the the whole graphic india as an as right. a publisher has a lot of titles but yeah that's one of them for sure yeah absolutely um are there any other texts that you've you've read that you that you would point to and say maybe this is either be it either sort of an overt depiction of um you know uh modern day religion in comics or a more subtle one or kind of uh something that sort of dances around it or even and I think we've only touched on this a little but obviously there are plenty of comic books out there that deal with created religions that are just created for the text itself um so those exist too obviously so yeah why don't we wrap it up with each giving our recommendation for our favorite comic book title that in some way touches on religion yeah yeah absolutely um i mean i i will try to narrow it down to one i might have to give maybe a couple but it won't be a real deep dive so um do you want me to go first or, or uh, should you? I'm going to go first and I would okay. like you to use that time to pick one. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to really make it hard on you because uh, I know you, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what is my core trade? It's indecision. One. So one. go ahead. Choose one. Um, of course, obviously, The Wicked and the Divine, I think as an art historian, like rel- art and religion, art as religion to me is just a uh, such a a touchstone of my thinking about everything in the world so that i think that that book just beautifully portrays many facets of of art as religion and i recommend it for that reason and as well as a number of other reasons it's a wonderful book but in on this particular topic i think it's really really well done yeah well uh, i i guess for me probably it would still have to be hellboy i like hellblazer but because it went through so many yeah i know well i'm just qualifying this hellblazer has had so many different creative teams like the book went on for like 20 years so i think overall it's hard for me to say hellblazer i think it would have to be hellboy and i think that's largely because mike mignola really never gave up the um, never let anybody else sit in the driver's seat. So um, there's that consistency there. So, so Mike's, yeah. Or sorry, Nick's recommendation is Hellblazer Boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, if if I could pick specific arcs of Hellblazer, that would be easier. But we don't have the time, nor the this is neither the time nor the place for that sort of deep dive. So. I would say I would say Hellboy. Um, just I, yeah, it's a good one. Just the consistency and such an interesting look at uh, 
as as you yourself said, it's sort of a little bit of um you know, understood theology that I think most people can sort of come in and say, oh, I, I can relate to these elements. But then it, you know, it broadens and explores so many other elements of so many other religious legends and myths and narratives that uh, you you find yourself engaged, but also informed, I think. There's so much to look at there, so... Well, it sounds like we could talk about this for a while, so maybe we'll recommend it to the man up, up in charge of the show for a, a a full topic one of these days and uh, talk more about religion and comics. I think we're out of tape for today. So I will say again, Simon, thank you so much for your donation. This was a really cool idea for a show. And Nick, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come and chat. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. 